better. I am not Pastor Diedrich, will not be his substitute, will not be anything like him. He's been a dear friend of mine, been through some of the journey with him that he's been through the last several years. Um, I, my wife passed away 13 years ago. I've had some similar journeys. We'll talk a little bit about that tonight when I preach a message on when God says no from 2 Samuel chapter 7. We're delighted to be here and to try to be an encouragement to the church. My wife Linda here uh, this Thursday will be married 10 years. Both of us lost our spouses. God brought us together and we ministered in Whiteville, North Carolina. Whiteville, North Carolina is on the other side of a sign that says resume safe speed. And uh, <laughs> we were there for nine and a half years at Victory Baptist Church. Had a delightful time. Brother Lukens asked me just now uh, an important question. He said, with the last name Ledbetter, are you kin to Adele, Odell, Marcel, New Jean, or Clovis? And I am not. I'm not, kin to, I'm not kin to any of them at all. Let's take our Bible and turn to the book of Philippians chapter 2. I actually preached this message down at a church in Hanahan the week before their pastor uh, was resigning. I knew about it. The deacons knew about it. Uh, and uh, I preached this same message, uh, Brother Diedrich and I have been communicating by text and by phone uh, several times over the last couple of weeks. And he, he said, Brother, would you preach that same message from Philippians chapter 2? He said, I believe this is exactly what Crossroads Baptist Church needs at this time. And the title of the message is Having the Mind of Christ. Having the mind of Christ. I'll say before I read the text, I think about Joshua trying to lead the children over the Red Sea. And one of the officers said, we've not been this way hitherto. Crossroads has not had to experience this before. But just as we find in Joshua chapter 1, Verse 9, have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. God will be with us through this transition period. This is his church, by the way. He died for the church. And he's going to be with this church through this transition period. He's going to be with Brother Diedrich as they make their transition over to Missouri as well. The book of Philippians, you know the text. Uh, matter of fact, Pastor Diedrich preached out of Philippians chapter 1 last Sunday night, and we listened to that uh, message online. Apostle Paul is writing back to a church he'd founded about 10 years before. You remember from Acts chapter 16 that Lydia was saved in a prayer meeting on the riverbank. And then the Philippian jailer, Paul and Silas, find themselves in prison. They're singing at midnight, praising the Lord. And the Philippian jailer comes in, bows down, and says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And that Philippian jailer, his family, household, was saved and baptized. Lydia saved the beginning of this church that now Paul is writing to some 10 years later. He had heard that there was a chance of some division in the church, and he was writing a, an actually a thank you letter back for uh, some gifts that they had sent to him. And in Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, it says this, 
If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things or interest, but every man also on the things or the interest of others. And then verse 5 says this, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, how the Spirit of God takes the word of God and makes us more like the Son of God. And I pray that you would do a work that only you could get credit for today. I pray that, Lord, you'd help us to come with our cup turned upward to leave this place different than when we came in. And I pray if there are those today here without Jesus Christ as their Savior, that before it's everlasting too late, they'd come to know our precious Lord. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, The Bible says in verse 16, For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he might instruct him? And then this statement, But we have the mind of Christ. I know several people in the church here, uh, Brother Joe and Katie, uh, we supported them in our ministry there at Victory Baptist Church, Brother Brother and Miss Comfort, uh, known them and... uh, Laura Diedrich uh, here, she was, uh, Laura Harris, she was in our church when I was pastoring in Sherraw many, many years ago. They know a lot about me, and I'll, I'll just say this, that as I read the story this week that I had, had heard about and uh, wanted to verify the details on it, they'll be able to tell you that this is not me. 1955... Albert Einstein, the genius, died. That says a lot right there. He uh, came up with an equation, E equals MC squared. Don't ask me all about what it means, but anyway, he was a brilliant man. He didn't know Christ, a very wicked man, actually. But he died, and there was a Dr. Thomas Harvey who did the autopsy on him. Most of his body was burned and cremated, but they did not know it that Dr. Harvey had taken and stolen his brain. He put it in a jar, sometimes stored in a cookie jar in Tupperware for you ladies, stored it sometimes in Tupperware. It was 23 years later that they discovered that this pathologist had stolen the the brain from Albert Einstein. As a matter of fact, there was a book written in 2018, Finding Einstein's Brain. These people that know me in this church can tell you it was, I don't have Albert Einstein's brain. But can I tell you something? From the Word of God, I can have the mind of Christ. This church can have the mind of Christ. 
We can have the very thinking of God through his word. We can have the attitude of humility that brings forth unity in a church because we have the mind of Christ. As we look at this text, as I said, there were some division and false teachers that Paul had heard about. I want us to see, first of all, the manifestation of the mind of Christ. We find that beginning in verse 1, and it says, if, if here is a, an assurity uh, in Greek, actually it could be translated since, since there is consolation in Christ. That word consolation is a word, we see it over in John chapter 14 where we find the Holy Spirit called the comforter, the paraclete, the same word. Here we have encouragement, we have consolation in Jesus Christ. It says there in verse 1 of Philippians chapter 2, if any comfort of love or since there is Comfort of love. If any fellowship of the Spirit, word koinonia, it's a uh, some mutual fellowship that we have with a relationship with Christ, and because of that, we can have fellowship with one another. He said, "If there's, since there is consolation or encouragement, if there's comfort of love, if there's fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies or." compassions and mercies fulfill ye my joy this passage of scripture is for us as individuals it's for our families it's for our church today he wants us he says to fulfill his joy that joy is fulfilled when we have the mind of Christ and practice Spiritual unity within the fellowship. We fulfill his joy, he says. That she be, first of all, verse 2, that she be like-minded. That she be like-minded. That you think the same way. We don't all agree on everything. I came in last night, came into the men's prayer uh, meeting, and I had a Clemson uh, shirt on. I graduated from Clemson 50 years ago in civil engineering, 50 years ago this year. And uh, Brother Bernie, he, he just didn't, didn't go over well there. I mean, everybody can't be perfect. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I mean, there's people in this crowd here that like the Tar Heels, and some of them like wolf pack and some of them like even duke <laughs> i pastored for 10 years down in columbia south carolina irmo south carolina that's where my wife passed away i moved back to rock hill and and a few years later met linda uh married to now but pastoring in in columbia south carolina was difficult for a clemson man <laughs> very difficult that church was filled with Gamecocks. They said, there was a rumor went around the church that when I baptized the Gamecocks, I held them under a little bit longer than I did anybody else. But, <laughs> but that's just a, just, a, just a rumor. It was just a rumor. 
We actually had a Bible study on campus at USC. Everybody can't be like-minded on everything about all these sports teams, but when it comes to the doctrines of Scripture, we better be like-minded. We better be like-minded. We need to think the same thing. And then he says, having the same love. He loved us so we could love each other. Having the same love. And then being of one accord. Paul liked that phrase, being of one accord. This means to be united in spirit. Sometimes that word uh, translated one accord is, is translated one souled. We actually have one soul together. There's a great discussion on R. Kent Hughes has a book called The Disciplines of a Godly Man. And uh, in that book, he talks about in marriage how that when we, we use this in our premarital counseling in Galatians, uh, Genesis rather, chapter 2, verse 24, that, that uh, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and the two shall be one flesh. There is actually a oneness of soul that develops in a marriage relationship. Uh, you know some of the people, I mean, Brother Comfort over here, he and Joel's been married all these years. They're starting to look like each other. I told my wife that, and she got scared. She did. She did. But there's a oneness of soul. A oneness of soul that he wants us to, to have. And then he says, of one mind. Of one mind. That we're knit together in harmony. Same passions. Same ambitions, same desires. And as a church family, we need to get oneness of mind with each other as we face this next period in the church's life. Last week, Pastor Diedrich preached on Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27. He entitled the message, Great Expectations. And Philippians 1.27 says, Only let your conversation or your, your manner of living be as it becometh or as fitting or suitable to the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. And then here's what he says, verse 27, that ye stand fast in one spirit. That's what I want to hear about this church, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. When I pastored in Irmo, right in the beginning days, this was before 9-11, I always had chaplains from Fort Jackson that were in our church, sometimes two or three of them at a time. But I had a chaplain who I had known before. Matter of fact, I'd interviewed him for uh, an assistant pastor's position in a previous church in Sherraw one time, Gary Fisher's name. And Gary was in the church and he said, Pastor, would you like to come out one night and watch as uh, the soldiers are training out there at night? It's called Nick at Night. And some of you that have been in the military, you in the Army, you remember those training times where they're firing live ammunition up over the top of you and you're crawling underneath razor wire. And so we went out there that night. The chaplain, Gary, said, uh, brother, he said, I'll, I'll see you in a little while. You stay right here. Stay right in this position. 
and uh, I'll be back to see you in a little bit. I'm, I'm crawling with my men. And so he went and he went and he crawled under that razor wire with, with those guys and gals that were training at Fort Jackson. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. Coming right within probably 10 feet of the finish where I was standing, they were crawling and here was two of those uh, soldiers that were having much difficulty in finishing. I mean, they, were, they had been hiking during the day. They'd been running. They had found themselves now crawling at the end. This is kind of the end of that exercise. And they were just worn out. And I watched Gary reach back and grab the arm of one of those soldiers and help them up to the finish line. Striving together. That's exactly what we're going to have to do at Crossroads. We're going to help people as they're even the weak ones. We're going to have to help them striving together for the faith of the gospel. As we strive together, he's asked us in this text in Philippians chapter 2, he says, I want you to fulfill my joy. Make my joy complete. That you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. And then he says, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. Nothing through strife or vain glory. Another verse that your pastor shared with you recently because I've been listening to some messages and Prepare, he was preparing you for this time in the church. That verse was found in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 24. We are, Jude tells us in Jude 3, to earnestly contend for the faith and we, for what's worth fighting for, these truths. But here's what it says in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 24. It says, the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. Are we known for what we fight and, and the friction and the fighting that goes on? I know this, this is a great church. I've known this church from a distance for a long time and appreciated the leadership of this church. But did you know Satan would love to divide and discourage, especially during this time, especially during this time? He said, the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach and patient. He's told these Philippians about that kind of thing throughout this book of Philippians, we're going to preach several messages, Lord willing, out of the book of Philippians. He talks about two ladies in chapter 4 and verse 2, Euodius and Syntyche. I don't know what they were squabbling about, but he said, I beseech Euodius and Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Get on the same page. Get on the same page. For the servant of the Lord must not strive. And he says, I don't want you in the midst of having the mind of Christ. You will not evidence the mind of Christ 
if there is striving or vainglory. This is vainglory, empty conceit, no selfish ambitions. We're not pushing to see who can go to the top. It's not my way or the highway. It's God's way. God's plan. He said, I want you to do without strife or vain glory. But then he says, and positively, in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. He says, I want you to practice humility. And actually what we're finding is that that's what the mind of Christ is about. For Paul gives us not just the manifestations here of the mind of Christ, but he gives us the model of the mind of Christ, beginning in verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then this passage in Verses 5 through 11, speaking of the deity of Jesus Christ and his incarnation. But it says, he made himself of no reputation. Verse 7, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the light as a man. Verse 8, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. There it is. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He says if we're going to practice that, we're going to, our lives will be reflected in verses 4 and 5. Look not every man on his own things or his own interest, but every man also on the things or the interest of others. In lowness of mind, let each esteem other better than yourself. We know that we taught in children's church years ago, J-O-Y, Jesus, others, and you. That's exactly what he's teaching here. He's teaching about Jesus being first place in chapter 1. He's talking about others being first place in chapter 2. Jesus, others, and yourself. That's where we will fulfill the joy that Paul is looking for from these believers as we have the mind, the mind of Christ. Humility, realizing my insufficiency. And his powerful sufficiency. <laughs> Putting others ahead of ourself. I um, began to study this passage of scripture knowing that the church that I had restarted 33 years ago, the first weekend in July, had gone bankrupt in a town, Sherraw, South Carolina, Highway 9. And uh, I was going to preach there the Sunday after the pastor had announced his resignation. He was my assistant. He was from Forest City over here, got saved at 13 years of age in Tri-City Baptist Church over here uh, years ago, at 13 years of age, and then became my youth pastor. And then for 22 years, he, he was the pastor of the church after I went to a different ministry. I knew I was going to be going to that church and to the church in Hanahan where they had lost a pastor. And I said, if I was sitting where you're sitting, what would I need to hear on these Sundays? I would need to hear 
that God wants us to have the mind of Christ. And we can have it. We can have it. We can have it here in this church. Mind is literally our attitude. For our attitude, someone has said, determines our altitude. Our attitudes are the foundation upon which our actions are built. And he said, Jesus has set the ultimate example of that for you and for me. Matter of fact, he often points us to the example of Jesus for us to follow. John 13, 34 and 35, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one to another. Just as I have loved you, that's the way I want you to love others, he said. Ephesians chapter 4, just a few pages before this text. He tells them, he said, that we're to be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. That's the way we're to forgive. And now he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. As we look at others and we sense their needs, even above our own, that functions true in our, in our marriage relationship. Did you know that uh, if you're not on the same page, your children will take advantage of you? You'll hear tonight, I'm preaching a message on when God says no. We were married 12 and a half years before God gave us the first child. She's 36 years old now. God said no for 12 and a half years of marriage. But as precious as those children are, sinners, that's what they are, just like their daddy. But if my daughter would ask mama something and she said no, guess what happened? She would come to daddy and ask him. And we, husband and wife, better be on the same page or they'll try to walk all over you. That happens in our relationship with each other. That there not be strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than yourself. That's the way it must function at Crossroads. In this transition period, we must have the mind of Christ. Since there be therefore consolation in Christ, since there is comfort of love, since there is the fellowship of the Spirit, since there is bowels or compassions and mercies, and we have that in our relationship with Christ and can have it with each other because of our relationship with Jesus. He said, fulfill ye my joy. Make my joy complete. Make my joy complete that ye be like-minded. Think the same way. Have the same love one toward each other. Being of one accord and of one mind. That being of one accord, I had an ophthalmologist in my church in Irmo. He loved to use that with his junior high kids. 
being of one accord. He'd talk about that. Talk about how important it was to be of one accord. So when he moved to Augusta, bought a practice, uh, an eye doctor practice in Augusta, I went to the Honda dealership and found uh, cutouts of a Honda Accord, and I put it on uh, and, and put those juniors in that, and we marched down the aisle together at his last service at our church. I said, Brother Jamie, we're in one accord today. It's not that kind of accord. But he wants us to be thinking the same things, be on the same page with each other, being of one mind with each other. A couple of verses that God really has used in in this light, in my own life and ministry. Romans chapter 12, love the text. Romans chapter 12, verse 16, says, Be of the same mind toward one another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. And then Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. Verse 6 says that she may with one mind and one mouth glorify God. That's why we're here, by the way, is to bring glory to God. We were created for his glory. That she may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a song that talks about this text. It says, May the mind of Christ my Savior live in me from day to day by his love and power controlling all that I do and say. For if we have the mind of Christ, it will encompass all that we do and say. It will be our attitude, the same attitude that Christ had in humility. And brings unity to the church. May the word of Christ dwell richly. From Colossians chapter 3. May the word of Christ dwell richly in my heart from hour to hour. So that all may see I triumphed only through his power. And there is a connection between the word of Christ dwelling richly in us. And having the mind of Christ. And then it says may the peace of God my father. Ruling my life and everything. That I may be calm to comfort sick and sorrowing. May the love of Jesus fill me all as the waters fill the sea. Him exalting, self-abasing, this is victory. May I run the race before me, strong and brave to face the foe. Looking only unto Jesus as onward I go. May his beauty rest upon me. As I seek to win the lost, may, and may they forget the channel, seeing only him. We pray that as God takes us through these next few weeks as a church family, that we will do it with the mind of Christ. That we will in our own individual lives and in our marriages and in our church 
have the mind of Christ. You may be here today and, and visiting and do not know Christ as your Savior. Today we'd be glad to take you to a place of privacy at the invitation time and show you how you could be saved and know it. 52 years ago in a dorm room at Clemson as a civil engineering student, somebody came by my room from Augusta, Georgia and gave me the gospel that night. I had brought up, I had churchianity, didn't have Christianity. I had religion, didn't have a relationship with Christ. And that night, January the 29th, 1971, a friend who didn't know he was knocking on my door, he was also a civil engineering student, he and I had been to basketball games together. He was knocking on doors. You can't do that in dormitories now, but he was knocking on doors. And he knocked on my door. And he said, brother, if you died today, where would you go? And I hung my head. I said, I don't know. I don't know. But God had been working on me. He'd been drawing me to himself. And God brought that man by. What was interesting is that several of those young men for three weeks before that very night had gone up and down the halls, marching up and down the halls, praying for each of the men behind the doors that they would meet when they knocked on those doors. They did it for three weeks, praying, and God had prepared my heart. They've torn the dorm down, didn't even ask me about it. They've torn the dorm down now. But if it was still up, I could take you to the spot and show you where I got on my knees that night. New Elf, room 452, 52 years ago. Repenting of my sin and placing my faith and trust in Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And he saved me. He saved me that night. I may not have graduated in civil engineering. Uh, I don't have the mind of Einstein. (laughs) Those of you who know me know I sure don't. But can I tell you something? I can have the mind of Christ. And this church can have the mind of Christ as we face the days ahead. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we thank you that you have a will. You're already working in the heart of a man who will one day be the pastor here. We pray that, Lord, you'd give real wisdom to the pulpit committee as they seek your direction. We pray that, Lord, as we go and are encouraging and trying to help this church, what a delight it is to be here. Father, I'm looking forward to seeing how this church takes the word of God and the presence of the Spirit of God in their lives And as with the mind of Christ, they take and use that mind of Christ in this next venture at Crossroads. Would you show yourself strong and when it's all said and done and we look back months from now and look back, we'll be able to say, only God could have done that. We wanted the mind of Christ. You gave it to us. And help us in humility to see unity, to reflect what we see in this passage in Philippians chapter 2. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name.